Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Boss is back. Bruce Springsteen delighted fans when he announced that his new album, Letter to You, will drop October 23rd. And we have Nils Lofgren of the E Street Band here to talk about it on this, the inaugural episode of CLE Rocks, the music podcast from the birthplace of rock and roll. I'm your host, Troy L. Smith, and I'm excited to welcome you guys to CLE Rocks, a podcast that's been in the works for a little bit. And now we get to bring it to you. As you know, I work for Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer newspaper, and Cleveland is the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and also the place many decades ago that DJ Alan Freed coined the term rock and roll. So we'll be looking at rock and roll music, past, present, and future, interviews with the people, and look at the events that helped shape it. And what better way to start than with the boss, Bruce Springsteen, releasing his, his title track and lead single for his next album, Letter to You. Video comes out has all the E Street Band guys coming over to his place, you know, kind of like a family environment with Bruce and company. And that included Nils Lofgren, the best guitarist in the E Street Band. Sorry, Bruce, um, who we were fortunate to talk to because Nils has a new live album out called Weathered. Now, obviously, most people know Nils as part of the E Street Band. But when you look at his resume, even though he needs no introduction, it's really impressive to read. Not only has he played with Bruce for so long, he's also played in Ringo Starr's All-Star Band. And of course, he's part of Neil Young and Crazy Horse, who he's supposed to be touring with this year, which then would lead into a big tour with Bruce and the E Street Band after this album release. We got Nils to talk about all of that and many other things, including him idolizing the Beatles and that sort of aura that playing with Ringo Starr continues to have for him. We also talked to him about Blues with Lou, which is an album of material that he wrote with Lou Reed back in the 1970s. And a lot of, and a few of those songs, excuse me, are featured on Weathered, which is an incredible live album. It's going to make you miss live music. And I'm just so happy to be able to have this conversation with Nils Lofgren, who gave me a call. Hey, Troy, it's Nils. How are you? Hey, Nils, thanks for taking the time for the interview. Uh, I just want to say I listened to Weathered and a really, really impressive live album that really makes you feel a certain type of way. It wasn't my intent to make a live record, and I think that kind of helped eventually get to the point where I realized there was something special going on with this cast of characters and, you know, collection of my, my best songs through the decades so i'm glad you like it it means a lot you know honestly it made me miss live music you know that was another thing that happened i i hadn't played with a band well over 15 years i've been touring acoustically a lot 
and uh, and intermittently between my work with East Street and the last few years with Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Of course, we made an album, put it out in October, and we were about to hit the road at the end of April this year and go out for a few months. Of course, all that all went away. But um hadn't played with a band, so I... I the sound man asked, hey, should we record these? He said, no, 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 I just want to go from town to town, let it rip, do a lot of improv and jamming, and have every night just be its own special night for the people who showed up in the room. And just before we took off, my wife Amy implored us to record the nights just to have. And uh, so, you know, she's got great instincts, and it's just a simple thing from uh, Matt Bittman, our great sound man, who was on the road and mixed the album with me. Uh, he brought the stuff, and I forgot about it, and I uh, kind of did what I wanted to, just loved being inside a great band. I mean, there's times when I just would be grinning on stage, da- dancing around, not singing, not playing, just enjoying the band, which you can't do when you're doing an acoustic show. So, um, you know, at the end of the tour, Max, um, I'm sorry, Matt sent me some rough mixes just to check out, and after some listening, I realized there was a special vibe going on with this great cast of musicians, singers, and friends that um, is really special. And in light of COVID kind of coming our way, too, uh, my wife and Amy and I will go out and see live music pretty regularly. And, of course, I've been on the road for 52 years next month. And uh, the fact that none of that can happen right now uh, was another reason I felt uh, based on the performances and the vibe of this group, that it would be a great thing to share. So here it is, and uh, I pre- appreciate help spreading the word, and sure glad you like it. You know, you say 52 years. That's not even counting when you were a kid. I've been a musician. <laughs> I mean, except, well, look, I've just hit 69, so I spent the last 65 years studying music. And uh, I'll have to say classical accordion for nine or ten years was sure a great um, backdrop and just kind of uh, education in rhythm, melody, uh, music, classical. Uh, that all really was a great backdrop for um, falling in love with the blues guitar and picking up uh, the blues as a hobby. Uh, really, it was the Beatles with their extra melodies and harmonies and a little more musical sophistication, but still with that, you know, street gutter soul that that they have in their voices and i think it's the greatest body of recorded music in history but you know but the stones beatles the british invasion the american counterpart um i all discovered all that Staxwell, motown muddy waters howlin wolf little richard on and on uh, all that really i i discovered through the british bands falling in love with them at a young age and i still play accordion but I started playing guitar as a hobby, just for fun. My brother Tommy was giving me some chord lessons as a kid on an old beat-up guitar my dad had. He didn't play much, but him and my mom danced all the time. So they loved music. They went dancing every weekend. And they always encouraged all four of us, and we all four play and sing. Of course, Tommy joined Grin at an early age, and we've worked together for half a century on and off. But to get him and and these dear friends in the band, Andy Newmark on drums, we've been working together since I came to dance in the mid-70s, and Kevin McCormick produced and played on so many records and been on the road with Andy and Tommy. And uh, the last record I made featuring six Blue Blue with Lou was the record. I featured six songs I wrote with the great Lou Reed, 
and we cut it live as a power trio, me, Andy, and Kevin. And I didn't want to put a lot of other music on it. I wanted people to hear the raw trio vibe. So mostly it was vocals. I had a great men's choir doing the old Jordan Airs kind of gentle oohs and ahs that meant the men's choirs would do with, um, you know, Ricky Nelson and uh, Elvis. And then the great Cindy Mizell, of course, who I'd spent years on the road with. Um, uh, Amy become a dear friend with Cindy and had countless singing sessions together with Bruce and E Street on the Wrecking Ball Magic Working on a Dream Tour. Anyway, Cindy came and sang her ass off, and you know I was shocked that she was available to do this tour. But it had been a long time since I got the band that made an album out on the road, and we turned everybody loose just to have fun and let it go. No intent of sharing a live record, and I think it helped me stay free and just uh, soak up being in a band again in these little clubs town to town with these fabulous audiences and, you know, turn up to 11 and just jam out. And um, we we got a lot of great versions and really glad to have it to share now. hope people, especially since we can't go out and sing and play, I hope the live vibe helps people out a bit. As you know, there there are different ways to go about putting together a live album. You can record a individual show in its entirety and make that the album, or you could sprinkle together performances uh, from throughout a tour, which is what you did here. I'm curious how you go about deciding the direction you want to go in. Yeah, you know, the basically, I have done some live records, like live from uh, Wolf Trap Barnes, one of my best uh, most popular records the acoustic live album was an acoustic show with my brothers and paul bell years ago that still people like and i've done various other records we did a dvd live in the birchmere fabulous club i play in the dc virginia area Birch, birchmere's in alexandria virginia but uh especially since this was not intended to be live record i just took my time and had a little notebook went through all the shows i think there was 1920 of them and uh, I tried to follow the set list. So this record from disc one to disc two is laid out much like our set was that night. We would change four or five songs a night. But in general, that's how the set ran. And I just tried to find the best versions. I think probably it turned out to be seven or eight towns that we pulled from to uh, put this, these, uh, these two CDs together. And I don't remember the exact names. It was more every night, you know, the audience made us a better band. We didn't have a lot of rehearsal time. Amy moved, you know, Amy and I moved the band and crew into our home. We had hellacious, you know, six days or so to put a whole tour together with our crew. And, and we knew we'd, uh, we did sound checks every day and would keep changing songs or expanding on things. And, a lot of jamming because I can, you know, trust all these musicians to just play what they feel. And 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 Cindy in particular, who's so brilliant, I I kind of asked her early on in the rehearsals that in addition to singing the harmonies, of course, which you know she's amazing. I said, please just scat around. Like if you feel like singing a ooh or ah or yelling or whatever you feel like doing, don't talk to me about it later. Just do it right on the spot. And we got a lot of great improv from her throughout every night. And the audiences kicked us in the ass every night and really, you know, took us to another level. And uh, we had a ball doing it. But uh turned out, I think, about seven, eight cities we got the, the whole double CD from. One of the highlights of Weathered is the 14-minute performance of Girl in Motion. And you begin that with a story about recording that song in the studio with Ringo Starr 
listening inside the studio and finishing the song and having Ringo go, well, I guess that's it. And you deciding, hey, if Ringo from the Beatles says that's it, that's it. You played in Ringo's all-star band, and yet that sort of aura of him being a Beatle doesn't go away, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, way back on the Born in the USA tour in England with the you know, great E Street Band and Bruce, um, we were invited to Ringo's house for a birthday party of his, and he had a jam, jam room. And, of course, literally, I, I, I owe so much and will always owe so much to the Beatles that I, I didn't care. I said, I'm going to wait until I get a chance to jam with Ringo. I don't care if it's 4 a.m., but very late at night, I got a guitar on in the room, was playing with him. And afterwards, we had some drinks and talked into the night. I mean, a lot of people were still there. But he gave me his number, said stay in touch, which I did. I started calling every few weeks and was always very clear that you know, really I would not be doing what I'm doing without the Beatles. But he'd come see me play in England uh, when I, I was over there every year doing an acoustic show usually. And uh, fast forward, we, we maintained a friendship. And fast forward to 89, his first all-star band, he called me and asked me uh, to be in the band. And I explained the round-robin nature of it which was really cool. Like everyone gets up and does two or three songs. He wanted to go be a front man, but not all night, just sing some of his hits, get back on the drums. And to this day, uh, just last year, I think it was last September, uh, we celebrated the 30 years to the day of the first all-star band show at the Greek Theater in L.A., which I got to be a part of. And just really wonderful. And you never quite lose that, you know, all these years, even though we're friends, uh, just to be able to meet one of your heroes and have him being such a great, you know, even past musician, of course, but just a great human being with a great soul and very evolved and, and caring and uh, kind and to get to help him go out and be a musician because, you know, he said, honestly, hey, I just I have to figure out a way to be a musician and travel and play and sing. I can't top the Beatles and uh, I can't just sit home, be famous and have, my, you know, have rent money I, I need to play and there's a lot of musicians that have massive success that just lose that or they don't realize it or it's too intimidating to figure out and there's no harder band to follow than the Beatles but he realized you can't and he came up with this beautiful round robin that he still does to this day in fact Amy and I had tickets to go see him here in town um, at a show and of course like all of us we had to let go of our live plans um, Till we get a handle on this virus as a planet, really, which our country's not doing well at all, and it's it hurts, you know. I've never in my life I, I realize I'm walking around with the blues, going, "What's wrong?" And I'm, I mean, past the obvious, you know, we trying to get rid of a dictatorship, and uh, we're dealing with a terrible virus. But I realize it's the first time, really, in my 52 years, I haven't been planning, studying for a tour, learning songs. I mean, at the time the virus really kicked in. I was going out having a ball playing Neil Young Crazy Horse songs, getting ready for us to hit the road. So uh, that's all gone away from now. But I have high hopes, you know, that it'll all come back at some point. But it's a challenge uh, because, uh, you know, this is like a a real uh, test for the whole planet and humanity. And right now our country's not handling it well. And uh, so we're stuck with our day-to-day, -day, hey, what do I do? Uh, figure out a life at home and I, w I was kind of waiting with Amy thinking by now we'd be starting to open up carefully and safely but we don't have the government to do that at the moment tragically so now you know 
just from figuring out how to you know exercise at home instead of going to the gym what's am I going to start writing songs again what's that going to be like I have to say to spend most of the early part of this year you know really immersed in putting a live double CD together and mixing it remotely from Matt Matt's in Baltimore and I'm out here and he figured out how we could both talk on the phone and listen to the same music live and mix it that was a great distraction and now we have it to share and uh just you know I long for the day we're all out singing and playing and I can go hear music but that ain't tomorrow and uh and you know one day at a time but um you know I don't know what else to say except uh, share this live music hope it helps some people and Hope to get out there sooner than later. You performed several songs from Blue with Lou, the album of material that you wrote with Lou Reed on this tour. And one of those songs in particular, Rock or Not, is this political anthem that really, when you listen to it, has as much relevance today as it did when you guys wrote it. Yeah, thank you. I, um, it, it, you know, I got the title. I have a little notebook. I travel around and keep, you know, notes and ideas for like jigsaw puzzles of songs that I may work on for weeks, months, years, even before they're complete. But what, you know, what happened with that one? Um, my the title "Rock or Not" first thought, okay, this will be a fun rock and roll party song, "Rock or Not," and. And it just, uh, my wife Amy Troy is really deeply uh, involved on Twitter, part of the resistance. She's always sticking up for women's rights, human rights, children's rights, Black Lives Matter, you know, all of it. And um, she's championing women a lot, which, of course, you know, men have kind of mucked up the planet, I would say, being in charge. I mean, we've done a lot of good things, too, but when it comes to running the planet, with all the issues, uh, I'd say we, we've not done a great job, and she's a big proponent of letting women, you know, be in charge, and I'm, I can't disagree, and we, she would read a lot of nonfiction and talk to me about, you know, books like on Malala and, uh, you know, all these wonderful women, uh, Rosa Parks, uh, people that have really, um, you know, Carmen DeLavalade, who got a Kennedy Center honor recently, who throughout their lives, whether it's in the big spotlight or behind the scenes, has quietly inspired people all around, done groundbreaking work, you know, with art, uh, you know, humanity work, charity work, just moving the the troubled human psyche forward. And um, I realized the song had to be a deeper song, and that's kind of what inspired me to, to write Rock or Not the way I did and, um, you know, point out, uh, the mess we're in and the help we need and give a nod to some great women who have helped us along the way and point, pointed us in the right direction. Do you think you and Lou would have gotten together and recorded these songs properly had he not passed away? Yes. I. It's interesting. Amy and I, were we, we'd go skiing. She became a great skier. We'd go to Telluride up in Colorado, about an eight, nine-hour drive, and ski and one day we went up to, uh, I think it was, I know it was Aspen or one of those other towns, and we just went to this famous um, Jerome Hotel for a lunch with our son Dylan, and Lou was there. Lou and Lori were there with 10-speed bikes, going for a bike ride, and we just had a brief visit. It was great to see him. I'd, I'd gone to see him play live once in a while, and always in the back of my mind, and when I saw Lou at the uh, 930 Club in, in D.C., we mentioned it. He said, yeah, someday we got to dust off those songs left behind and of course such a great idea you think it'll always 
there'll be time for it. And then we lost Lou tragically, and I realized that it was really on me to get those songs out to share. So I always thought, you know, it would happen. But again, time got the best of us, and um, we lost Lou, which was awful. And I knew I had to get him on my, my next record, and that turned out to be Blue with Lou. You know, I think about what you had going on in the 70s and what Lou Reed had going on in the 70s. And I'm curious, looking back, what do you take away from those songwriting sessions with him? Well, the the thing with Lou, when we both had a good laugh about it, we um, Bob Ezrin asked us to work together. We went to Lou's studio, talked to him about it. He said, come to my apartment next week and we'll get into it. And I didn't know he was a big NFL fan, so he said, hey, let's watch the the Cowboys-Redskins NFL game, if you don't mind. And I love that because I grew up in D.C. after I left south side of Chicago when I was eight years old. And so we had some stiff drinks, watched a, a great football game, talked well into the night. And we talked about renting the loft and doing the standard upright piano, two guitars, you know, work six, eight hours a day and put ideas together. But um, we had mentioned we had a lot of music already written and we didn't like the words. So Lou suggested, before we get together in a loft and do the standard thing, why don't you send me a tape of what you have, and we'll go from there. And that way I'll get to be familiar with it. And, you know, we look whether it was one song or three songs, whatever Lou had a hit on, we said, you can change the music. We, we, we're ready to let go of all the lyrics. And I even asked him, do you want me to, like, la-di-da or just... Um, get rid of the words that I don't like and just hum the melodies? And he said, no, 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 send me what you have, titles, words, everything. I know you want to replace them. So I did. I made a cassette, which was the tape of the day, sent it up and uh, forgot about it because I was busy with Bob doing pre-production, Bob Ezrin on the Nils album. And then about three and a half weeks later, Lou woke me up at 4.30 in the morning and um, with my landline, of course. This is back in the day of no video and no cell phones for people who don't know what that is. Um, And he said, hey, look, I've been up for three days and nights, haven't slept, I love your tape, I love the songs, love the music, and I just finished 12 final, finished, complete sets of lyrics I feel great about. And I was like, wow. And he said, if you want, I'll dictate them to you right now. And we had a laugh. I got to put on a pot of coffee, got a pen and pencil, and spent about two and a half hours taking dictation from Lou Reed. And um, we laughed at the end. I said, so you're telling me you woke me up at 4.30 in the morning to inform me I'd just written 12 songs with the great Lou Reed? And he said, well, yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> so, of course, you can imagine now I'm wired with coffee and the fact that all these songs are there. And Lou said, I want to use three of them on the Bells album, run that by Bob Ezrin. Here's the three I want to use. And uh, one in particular I love, he said, look, um, City Lights, I love your title, I love the chorus, I've kept your chorus, but I wrote a story about Charlie Chaplin, which of course was a much more powerful lyric than what I had. And um, we used three, he used three, I did a couple since then with his blessing, and uh, of course the other five no one had ever heard that were complete. Uh, There's some bits and pieces, but there were five complete ones. And I always wanted to do uh, my version of City Lights with the original melody. Lou did a narration, which he's so good at. And the great Branford Marsalis played sax on it, as he did with the track called Life from Damaged Goods, uh, which was one of my favorites that Lou wrote with me. And so it was just a beautiful, fun chapter. And we joke about it, what a painless session it turned out to be. Of course, I'd done enormous work up to that, 
And, uh, you know, Lou had a great idea, and it worked. He lived with the tape long enough and got deep into it, and he just uh, went at it for three days and nights straight. And uh, we, we t- when we t- talked to that uh, in his apartment, you know, I said, look, I usually write music very easily and regularly, and it's it's most of it's pretty good, and I struggle with words a bit more. And Lou said, I'm the opposite. Words pour out of me. Usually they're they're quite together and uh, formalized, and the music sometimes takes a bit more work. And it just made for a good uh, long-distance songwriting marriage. It turned out great, and I'm glad I got to share the, the ones left behind. You know, obviously what was going on, you had a big 2020 planned uh, touring with Neil Young and Crazy Horse, and then there was talk we might get a Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band tour either later this year or early next year. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's funny because there's always conflicts of scheduling usually. And through 52 years, I've worked with quite a few other bands. And I love being in great bands. I I was 18 years old making the After the Gold Rush record. I still remember driving from Topanga Canyon from David Briggs, who is, you know, the producer and, you know, my dearest friend. And uh, him and Neil were my early mentors, of course, driving to do After the Gold Rush at Neil's house up in the Topanga Hills. I used to say, hey, it's fun not to be the band leader every day. It was neat. It's fun to just be in a band. All the non-musical issues go away that a band leader has. So, you know, I was smart enough to realize how good it is for me to to be in great bands and not just always be the the band leader. And it served me really well. But, um, you know, I was greedy. I I, I thought, Troy, that I was going to go out for a few months with Neil Young and Crazy Horse. I was hoping to take um, the weather band out later in the year, maybe even try to get them over to the U.K. and Europe. And then, uh, yeah, like Stevie said, we were very optimistic. We were headed towards uh, a good year of touring next year with Bruce. I mean, it was certainly a great idea that we were all working toward. And, um, of course, it all went away. And uh, that was an unusual year and a half of work with my favorite people. Uh, that just all disappeared, as it did for everybody. But, you know, usually you have one band or one run or three weeks or three months, or in Bruce's case, sometimes we'll go out for a longer period of time, but it's still in legs. You know, okay, we'll book this leg, see how it goes. That's going okay, let's book another leg. But uh, it was very unusual to have a year and a half of great touring pretty much laid out in front of me. And... uh like everyone else, you know, most most jobs have disappeared, and certainly if you're a performer and you love to do that, it's a it's a new world. I'm still trying to get my sea legs and figure it out. I really don't have my my act together yet, but uh, thank God I got a fabulous wife and our dogs. My son's down the road, being safe, and uh, now I have to figure out what to do without uh, touring, which has been the lifeblood of what I've done my whole life. Bruce recently announced a new album, Letter to You, which is due out in October. You made some waves earlier this summer. Having listened to it, you said it's as good as any Springsteen album you've heard. That's saying something. Yeah, you know, Bruce has mentioned that, so I'm not talking out of turn. He he mentioned uh, that he'd written some songs for us and was planning on recording. And, you know, he's he's the boss, of course, and it's a work in progress, but... uh, you know, the involvement I've had in it, uh, man, I think it's a brilliant record. And, I mean, Bruce doesn't make bad records, but this is a, as as all of them have their own stamp, this is a very unusual, powerful record that he's got in the works. And 
who knows where he's at with it now. You know, he's so prolific. He's probably, you know, been writing and recording. But uh, that was uh, something we were all working toward, you know, with Bruce's blessing that hopefully next year we'd get some music out and go play a lot. So, you know, like everything else, that's tabled until uh, future notice. And uh, our goal is to take care of ourselves, our families, help other people. There's a lot of people, Amy, and I try to help um, in our community. Uh, just whatever we can do to keep people afloat and, and take care of ourselves for that day when we can all get back to the new normal, whatever that'll be. I want to get you out of here on this. You know, the street East street band was inducted back in 2015. I'm curious that ceremony in Brooklyn. What do you remember about that night or that week being honored? Well, we were on the road. We, uh, we knew we were going to do that show. And I was just thrilled to be more like a house band for all the great singers, you know, darling love, Sam Moore, all those great singers. And of course the next night we were all, we were on the road and we were exhausted and, you know, Amy and, uh, said, Amy, I'm just going to go back down to see Jeff Beck, <laughs> my favorite guitar <laughs> player, favorite living guitarist. I always saw Jeff and Jimi Hendrix were off on their own stratosphere. So it was a great kind of homecoming, beautiful night to just be a house band for all these great singers that inspired all of us through the years. And, those big galas with, with so many great musicians playing is always fun because, of course, after you do your bit, you just get to relax and have a lot of great people entertain you in the same building. Nils, thanks so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Truly an honor. Hey, I appreciate it, Troy. Thanks for spreading the word on weather. It helps me a lot, and uh, it's always good to, to talk about it and uh, have people help me get the word out. That's it for this, the first episode of CLE Rocks. We have a lot of awesome things lined up for you in the weeks ahead, so please come on back. And thanks to Nils Lofgren and his team for letting us speak with him.